Hey everyone, Dave Broadback here. This is the uh, audio for a lecture uh, in Psychology 3256, Advanced Univariate Statistics. It used to be called Design and Analysis 1, but we didn't think that name was scary enough. Also check out the uh, YouTube uh, videos of uh, these uh, lectures. I guess I've now just committed myself to doing the YouTube videos. Anyway, check out my YouTube channel and you can find them there. Or also at my blog, people.ac.ca slash broadback slash blog. If you like statistics, I hope you're going to love this. We were talking about interpreting interactions, and we talked about ordinal versus disordinal interactions, and how difficult uh, it is to interpret main effects in the presence of interactions, especially disordinal interactions. In fact, I would go so far as to say I wouldn't talk about main effects if I was had a disordinal interaction. Um, remember, disordinal interaction is when the order of the main effects is not preserved. An ordinal interaction is when the order of the main effects is preserved. I basically look at it this way. So if I can look at a graph and I can say A is always A1 is always bigger than A2, I'm happy. If I have to look at it and say A1 is bigger than A2 but except at P2, then I can't talk about the effect of A Because I, I put a qualifier in there. In other words, I'm just sort of talking about the interaction. And I know that was, again, if you were watching the YouTube video, this was literally seconds ago. However, <laughs> if you're like everybody else in here, uh, you haven't thought about this stuff in a week and a half, do you guys have any questions? Okay, so it makes, I hope it makes some sense. And like I said, it's really basically, in a lot of respects, I think of it this way, like I said, it's common sense. If you look at it and say, can I just, am I confident in saying A1 is always bigger than A2? In the data I have then yeah, I'll talk about, it, talk about the effect of A. But if you can't do that with, let's say, accept it B2, if you got to do that, you got to, you can't interpret the main effect. You just can't. It's there, it's just hard to interpret. So I'm talking about going from the step of data analysis to actually interpreting the thing. Okay? Like I said, it's probably impossible with disordinal interaction. Uh, it is a. Some people say you should never talk about main effects in the presence of interactions. I think they're overstating the case, personally. But they probably think I'm understating the case, but they're wrong. Uh, okay. Now we're fine. So, the same thing we did with sum of squares and degrees of freedom with. One way angle, we're going to do with this fact, what we call factorial angle. Sometimes also called a completely randomized design. So the model, remember, is x equals 0 plus alpha plus beta plus alpha, beta plus epsilon. You might gather from the speed with which I say that, I've said it a few times in my life. So what we're going to do is see if we can get, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> yeah. Um, let's think of the sum of squares. Sum of squares total, plus sum of squares A, plus sum of squares B, plus sum of squares AD, plus sum of squares for error. The only new thing in here, by the way, is the interaction. We've got a main effect, and we have two of them now, so we're not tallying what we had alpha and beta. And we've got, we still have error. Error's going to be calculated the same way. Right. So, here we go. 
sum of squares A is the square deviations of the column mean. So if you think of A as in columns and B as in rows, it doesn't have to be, by the way. But I'm going to put A in columns and B in rows. These would be square deviations of column means from the grand mean. Back. Sum of squares B, well, square deviations of row means from the grand mean. What we're doing here is we're collapsing across, so if we go column means, we're just collapsing across rows. We go row means, we're collapsing across columns. We're ignoring or averaging. Remember when we did the averaging, we were breaking the first step, and you say, What's the, what's the effect of A? Well, we have like, say, 3 and negative 3, 6 and negative 6, and we divide it by 2. We're collapsing across the That's all we're doing. That's all we're talking about here. Okay. Those are exactly the same as what we get when we do sum of squares treatment. Except we have rows and columns, we just have maybe just columns and another, whatever you want to make it drawn out. Okay? Good so far? The weird one and the new one is sum of squares for AB. These are square deviations of cell means, and the cell means are the individual groups. Okay, so if we've got, let's erase that. So if we've got just a simple two by two, the simplest possible factorial design, we can get row means, column means, but we can also get the means of individual groups, group one, two, three, four. We now have the square deviations of those cell means from what we would expect if there was what we'd expect from uh, given the row and the column means. In other words, you only broke down those tables again. So I realized it was a while back. But if we have interaction where we're left with like plus one, minus one, minus one, plus one, right? Those are deviations because we take everything else out. And what we would expect, just given the row means and the column means. So in that case, plus one minus one minus one plus one, the sum of squares for interaction or for A and B, if you want to call it that, would be four. One squared plus negative one squared plus negative one squared plus one squared. Okay. Questions on that? So remember, we broke it down and we ended up getting it, broke it down, you know, and we got stuff left over that we then said was interaction. Sum of squares error. That's the square deviations of individual scores, which we haven't even dealt with because it's just extra arithmetic. But it's from individual scores from the, their cell means. So that's, you know, whatever the hell the scores were. We don't know that far about that. It's, it's so much extra arithmetic, there's no reason to do it. So we partition these sum of squares 
And when you partition sums of squares, degrees of freedom go with them. So there's the sum of squares all my up. It's actually not that bad. It looks and goes, well, triple summation sign at the end. Yeah, because you've got a row, row, column, cell. You've got to do it three times. It's I'll show you how to do it. I've already posted a video, by the way, on my website uh, at um, God, I feel so horrible saying that. I feel really kind of weird whenever I it's like plugging my website. Like, I don't know ads. Put ads on it. It'd make you bad. I'd say you have to click on them or you don't pass the course. I think it would violate those terms of service. Um, I'm pretty sure it would. But if you look there, there's already a video in there for that Irish guy telling you how to set up. Oh, it's not the Irish guy. He doesn't have one for factorially normal. He has one how to do it factorially normal with Excel. But I'll also talk also, also talk about one today. Why am I talking like this? Simply I'm talking like Christian Slater. Um Christian Slater. <laughs> Some of these are really for me. So I'll show you how to do it today. It's dead easy. But there is a video there I post in the stats videos section. Okay. So this is sum of squares total. It's going to be big A minus 1. Total number of subjects in the experiment. This is going to be A minus 1 and B minus 1. The effect of A and the effect of B. Okay? It's not so bad, right? Before it was, remember, the number of treatment levels minus 1. Well, we've got A level. We've got A, little a, levels of variable A and little b levels of variable B. The interaction, I mean, you can see this in front of you, so it's not like I'm telling any tales out of school or any spoilers here. A minus 1 times B minus 1. Now, remember when we're thinking about these things always have to sum to 0. So let's go back to a standard 2 by 2 design. Right? Give me a number. Eight. Eight is perfect. Where do you want to put it? Uh, B two eight one. B two Okay, that oh oh minus eight plus eight minus eight. I have one degree of freedom. Okay, so let's try it again. Oh, let's make it three levels. So I'll I'll, I'll pick one and seven. And I'll put it there. Give me another number. Okay, four, thanks. Where do you want me to put four? B2. B2, A1? Sure. Okay. Okay, wait a second. Now, what's this one have to be? A1, B3. Minus 11, because that's plus 11. Which means that has to be plus 11. Plus. I had now two degrees of works out that it's levels of A minus 1, levels of B minus 1, multiply those two things together. Okay. For each group, let's just think about each group, how many degrees of freedom does the any of the groups have? doesn't matter how many groups there are. It's little n minus 1. Right? Number of subjects each group minus 1. How many groups are there? Not up there in my example. In general, how many groups are there? 
A times B. Right? Because if A is 3 and B is 2, we got 6 groups. So 3 times 2 is 6. So it's AB times A minus 1. If you feel like proving the identity, then all those things add up. You can. Do not. I'm not doing that. I mentioned before, I used to love doing that when I was in high school. I love proving identities with my favorite math thing. Because it's a puzzle. Not a good puzzle. Puzzles like that, I don't like a jigsaw puzzle. Pretty boring. I found an edge piece. My brother, not my brother in law, Isabel's brother in law, loves doing puzzles. And it's like, I. Cottage, where are we drinking? <laughs> you know, it's no time for puzzles. You're kind of just drinking time now. Come on. So, what are the expected values? Now, this is where we talk about expected values in the last quiz. We talk about expected values, uh, you know, like tau plus epsilon and epsilon. So, we're going to think of it that way. Again, data isn't precisely that. I'm sort of using a shorthand. I'm not going to use like. N times sigma squared sub tau or whatever, or sub A. Okay. But if you remember, for simple, you know, the expected value of the mean square treatment is sigma, or sorry, the, the is epsilon plus tau, and the expected value of the mean square is epsilon. So we must divide the mean square treatment by mean square to find that we had an effect. We're isolating tau. So that's why we have to know the value of the, the expected value of the mean squares. Okay? Well, we have to do the same thing for mean squared A, mean squared B, mean squared AB, and of course for mean squared A. You can probably guess that A and B aren't going to change from this design, from the original design, and these are mean squared error. And one that's interesting here to do is mean squared AB. You get what you would expect. Mean squared A is alpha plus epsilon. It may be the case that you have old versions of this that have a typo in them. May have a sigma or something instead of an epsilon or something. Uh, I think maybe I changed that. Mean squared B is beta plus epsilon. That's the effective level of, of, of A, the effective B plus error. Just like you'd expect. We're changing the tiles to A alphas and betas. Oh, beautiful. Mean squared AB is alpha, beta plus epsilon. This is usually the point where somebody in the class says, that's where the word alphabet comes from. And they're right. Somebody has been thinking that, but they didn't say it out loud because they thought, I think I was supposed to know that. But that's where the word alphabet comes from. And, oh, this is great. Look, we, we know totally what we're going to divide by. Right? We're going to divide mean squared A by mean squared error. Mean squared B by mean squared error. Mean squared A, B by mean squared error. Do you see why we're going to divide those terms by each other? Because we're trying to isolate the effect of A, the effect of B, or the interaction term. Right? So that all makes complete sense, right? Yeah? You okay? You good? I know you had a break. We had a break. Again, for those of you just listening, watching the YouTube video, who aren't you guys? I don't know why. There's no cats in it. It's not a YouTube video. No. At least you need a Tide Pod. A Tide Pod. Who would have thought, like, you can now make people do anything you want, right? 
Here, here's a new one. It's called the Sinai Challenge. Eat some Sinai. See if you live. <laughs> People will do it. Don't do that, kids. Divide all these things by means word error to get our effects. Great. The world is an easy and happy place. No, it's not. <laughs> There's always a but. There's always a however. These expected values are only in case if you are interested only in those particular values of A and B. So in other words, remember we had retention, this is yeah, this is quite a while ago, we had retention interval of low, medium, high, and we had, or, uh, sorry, whatever the hell it was. Levels of processing low, medium, high, and I think our retention levels were five minute, one hour, 24 hours, I think. That's saying you're only interested in those levels and nothing in between. Uh, Shit. I think I might be interested in what's in between. These are called fixed effects models. Fixed effects models. <sighs> Why does it have to be like this? Because of math and how the universe works. It's not my fault. Don't shoot the messenger. What if we randomly chose our levels? Literally put all the possible levels in hat and then drew out three or four or two or whatever the hell you want. If we did that, the math is going to have to take into account the fact that that, that extra level of randomness is in there. And that's going to probably, definitely, will change our expected values. It's called a random effects model. So if both A and B have their levels randomly chosen, the expected values work like this. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> the expected value of mean squared A is alpha plus alpha beta plus epsilon, and mean squared B is beta plus alpha beta plus epsilon. The interaction is also in there. Dude. The expected value of mean squared AB is alpha beta plus epsilon. Oh, that's the same, and that's the same. Okay, so that's not so bad. That's not so bad. What we're, doing now, what we're going to do now, then, is to get the effect of A, we have to isolate A. Okay. So we're going to divide the, the mean square for A by what? I know it's, some of you have the notes in front of you, but if, even if you don't, I do. Take a look at this. What would you divide the mean squared A by, by? It's not that funny. What would you divide the mean squared A by to isolate the alpha? Yeah, please. Mean squared A, Yeah. So in fact, mean squared A becomes an error term for mean squared A and for mean squared B. It's weird, I know you were taught in 2126 and not until just last week, you always divide by mean squared error. No, you don't. Here we're going to divide the error term for these two main effects is the interaction. The, the error term for the interaction is still, thankfully, mean squared error. Okay? And that's simply because you randomly chose the levels of A and B. that that often. We don't do that that often. 
That's much more common in some in, in like field work. And let's say you were I think the book uses an example of tire wear. Is that what they use? I think for random effects. Um, if you were randomly, if you, if you were going to look at wear of different kinds of tires, and you were going to look at different cities in Canada, you couldn't test them in all. You are interested in all possible cities in Canada. You can't use all possible cities. So you use randomly choose five of them. Okay. Then the math works. If you just pick five, but you want to generalize to all cities, uh, question do. What about a mixed model where A is fixed and B is random? So this would be, again, with tire where you've got, say, three kinds of tires, and that's the three possible rubber compounds, or I don't know if tires. Three different compounds of rubber, soft, medium, and hard. Formula One, that's why I look a little tiny bit of tires from watching auto racing. Um, and we're going to randomly choose a bunch of cities. So one's fixed, that's the tire hardness, and one's random, that's the cities. Mean squared A is, now I said A is fixed, by the way, this is not a freaking typo. I know it's counterintuitive, you would think that it would go with what was with the random effects. No, no, it doesn't actually. It goes like that. So in this case, we're going to divide our fixed factor, mean square, by the interaction, mean square. And we're going to divide our random factor, mean square, by the error, mean square. And happily again, interaction with this. That's not so bad. We have to know these things. I realize it's counterintuitive. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense because you think, oh, well, you said the random one looks like the one at the top. Well, you, that's the fixed. Yeah, I know. I know. It just is. Yeah. The questioner is trying to like turn that back and head around like the rational mind. Is it basically because since it is randomly chosen, then you don't have to worry about the interaction as much, or? No. It's because of the math and the calculus methods. It's, it's, it's basically calculus's fault. It's because math. It's, it's, it's because the universe works this way. It's, it's, it's really, it just is. Yeah. It's kind of like... Yeah, it's because math. Yeah, let's just go with that. Yeah, it's the, I, yeah if, if I run into this, it's a long, it'll take the rest of the class. It's, yeah, and there's no have that kind So the assumption is that A, B is going to be zero. Okay. So, here's a question. We're assuming with a random effects model, or sort of point, we're assuming with random effects model, that the levels of the random factor are randomly selected and independent of each other. So in other words, when I chose the five Canadian cities to test my different kinds of tires, I had all the names in a hat and I randomly chose them. And if I chose to say Marine, it doesn't mean I don't also choose uh, I don't know, it's close by, Sudbury. Right? Could happen. There's no effect of that. There's no random effects. They're independent of this. Now, so the question then comes, students have asked at this point, what are we doing when we do our experiments? 
We're doing a random sort of effects, mix effects, model kind of sort of in our rhythm. <laughs> so the question you have to ask yourself is, did you actually randomly choose your levels? Because that's what changes the, the math. It's because that randomness gets in there. And we have to look out for it with the math that's behind how the house scenarios works. How the expected values work. Did you randomly choose them? If you did not, just call it a fixed, use a fixed effects model. It's a better approximation. Okay? So you didn't randomly choose your levels. You never randomly choose. I've never, ever in my entire career randomly chose levels for things in this term. Never occurred to me. Right. Whoops. With that. So did you actually randomly select your levels? If you did, and I don't, wait a second, I think one student once did, not mine, but one of our honor students did once choose, randomly choose levels. And I remember telling her when she was giving her thesis talk, like when she was practicing, she said, you have to reanalyze your data. It's easy, just go divide by a different mean square. You have your output on you, we'll do it right now. It's really simple. And you can actually change your results, which was good. But this, and I've never, I review for journals all the time. I've never seen anybody use random effects. It doesn't happen. Okay. It happens in other things. Like I said, the, the, the example with the choosing the different cities, you would use a random effects model, and you want to do that in that case. It makes complete sense. We don't tend to do this. So the better approximation is a fixed effects model. But technically, when you you will see people, wow, we do it all the time. We draw those graphs with the lines where the points are connected. That's misleading <laughs> because we can't interpret the things in the middle. We do it all the time. It doesn't matter. It's not a huge deal, but it's a little weird. People mostly ignore that. Let's move my pointer here. So let's think about our analysis of variance summary table. Just look, looks a little bit different now. Source of variation, degrees of freedom, mean square. I don't have some of the squares written in there because I couldn't make the table you know, on the slide. But these kind of things make great test questions because I can have a fill in the blank thing again. Right? And then you have to know, oh, sum of squares equals, I'm sorry, mean square equals sum of squares divided by degrees of freedom. Uh, degrees of freedom have to sum to the total. <laughs> 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 ah. <laughs> moving? I told people to move the other way from So people stand at the other side of the classroom and just have more, more conversations and laughs. They take you to a great piece of I don't, because I, I usually don't. That's not the first move. I'm supposed to try to keep it down. And I do go from there. So that's, you know, a summary table. Right? So we're just going to take mean square A divided by mean square error, mean square B, mean square, mean square A, B, mean square error. But remember, that's for fixed effects models only. Now, do we ever use random effects models or mixed models? It happens so rarely. I want you to know about it, and there's a reason we get to repeated measures that it makes really good sense that I've talked about this. Because you might be wondering right now, why are you telling us about something that no one ever does? There's always a reason. I plan these things. So there isn't a reason we're going to talk about it shortly. But 
And unless someone has told you it's a random effects or mixed model, it is a, it's a fixed model. Unless it, it explicitly told levels were randomly chosen. Okay? Like I said, I've seen it once in my whole career. One scene. Question so far. things bigger. Why not add a third one? What about C? So we got C1, C2, A1, A2, E1, B2. So we've got now, what, eight groups. This is a two by two by two. Can we talk about these uh, things beyond like two levels, or sorry, two independent variables in 2127? Yes or no? No? Don't think so, right? Now, in this case, you have three main effects, A, B, and C. You have three two-way interactions, A, B, A, C, and B, C, and a three-way interaction, A, B, C. A, a three-way interaction is when the two-way interactions change depending upon the level of some third variable. A 941-way interaction is the 940-way interactions changed the level at, at some level of the 941st variable. A seven-way interaction is the six-way interactions changed depending upon the level of some seventh variable. So all this is, by the way, this is not uncommon. You will see, you guys uh, uh, probably have read enough of literature now, but you've seen experiments that have, let's say, Think of this, we could do our memory experiment. So we've got levels of processing, we've got time, retention rule, and let's go with, um, oh, two kinds of tests, implicit and explicit. Right? So you guys don't remember with me, you know, the implicit and explicit memory tests. We've got two, we two kinds of tests. So that's A. We've got time, a short long, five minutes and one hour. That's B. And levels of processing, low and high. That's C. That's the experiment. That's not a complicated experiment. And I can tell you that experiment would deal with three-way interaction. So you've seen these things. It looks complicated there, but when you think about it now with an example, it's not that bad. Right? Because again, time, test type, and levels of processing. Yeah, sure. What's the problem? I will say, if you do your honors thesis with me, I won't let you do this. And the reason is because it's hard. It's hard to explain. It's not because you guys you can't do it. You don't have the ability. It's not true. You can do this course, you can do it. But it's explaining it to others. It's the hardest thing. It's hard explaining three-way interactions to a general audience at a piece of office. It's hard explaining it to everybody's mom and dad. That the two-way interactions change depending upon the level of the third variable. It's hard explaining it to, 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 to a lot of people. They don't get it. Right? We get it. So I usually go, no, let's not do that. It also makes your experiment bigger. Doubles the size of your experiment. You know, why do you want to test 80 people? They're intro students. I don't even want you know, interacting with them. I shouldn't have said that out loud. That will teach you from. That's why. No, it's because other people are better than that. 
So now, though, as you just mark, x equals 3 plus alpha plus beta plus gamma plus alpha beta plus alpha gamma plus beta gamma plus alpha beta gamma plus epsilon. A, B, C, alpha beta gamma. There's no C in Greek, so they call it gamma, G, double. X equals U equals alpha plus beta plus gamma plus alpha beta, alpha gamma, beta gamma, and alpha beta gamma, epsilon. So that's not horribly complicated, actually. It really isn't. It's exactly what we said. Three main effects, three interactions, uh, two interactions, a three-way interaction, and of course, error. It's always our lonely friend at the end sitting there going, I'm just a mistake. I feel bad for error. But without error, we couldn't do the, I don't know, I thought I had a thing there. It looks like this. There's a three-way interaction. Oh, oh, I see. See, look, here's the two-way interactions. We got a disorderly interaction over here and a orderly interaction here. Can you describe this interaction, these interactions without mentioning C? No, you cannot. So you have a three-way interaction. Oh, that's not so bad. I can, I can draw you an example from the real world. What it would look like with our levels of processing. Uh, okay, so... Here's the explicit, and the implicit over here. Okay. Graphs. There we go. Explicit memory, um, high level of processing, you're going to have some decline. So it's high. Low level of processing, you're going to have more decline. Implicit memory, high level of processing. Right on top of it, because it shouldn't be an effect at all, be the low level processing. I think that's how that's actually how the world works. And some of you guys, I taught you that memory, and you, you, you know it. So it's not like it's hard to understand through the interaction, it's totally cool. Hey, we could throw in presentation type. Are they blocks? So they get a whole. Um, yeah, we can throw a presentation type, block for a presentation, and now we have the same subjects, which is repeated measures, but versus switching back and forth, and then we get flowing. It's no big deal. When you think of examples, it makes things a little bit easier than just HPTCs. Okay. Okay. advantages to these designs. We can study interactions. Very many of our uh, theories have interactions in them. 
The idea that levels of processing affects explicit memory, not implicit memory, is predicted by all kinds of different things, <laughs> all kinds of different uh, sort of theoretical approaches to human memory. We expect sex differences favoring, uh, favoring males in spatial tasks and favoring females in verbal tasks. That's a three-way interaction. Dude. Awesome. There actually, once you've done it a few times, and even I hope this one, the example I gave you up here, it's actually not hard to interpret these things. It really isn't. It's hard, it's sometimes hard explaining it to people when you're, you haven't done that a lot. But it's cool. It's, it's cool. Now, here's a disadvantage, which should have a title, and it doesn't, I don't know why. Uh, is it fixed, random, or mixed? Well, the, the thing is, typically you just say it's fixed and move on. But really, it's, it's the closest thing to what we do. Okay. These things can get big. Okay, when I had the initial, I had two levels. If I had a two by two by two, I had eight groups. What if I had a two by two by two by two? Now I get sixteen groups, right? And if I so if I adding on, if I adding on, if I learn to speak English, so if we've got three, we get the following effects, right? A, B. A, B, C, C, A, C, B, C, A, D. Now, if I add out now D, yeah, D, D, A, D, B, D, A, B, D, C, D, C, A, B, C, D, D, C, A. That's how many effects I have to test. That's how many... How many so 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16. I have 16 different angles to do, or F has to do. Add in a fourth, I have 32. Look how big that thing is now. A, B, C, D. Let's say there's 10 subjects per group. You left for something really simple. It's like, well, this is going to be spending the rest of my life testing these people. Probably you have to start measuring things in geological time. It's a long period of time. And explaining a four-way interaction is hard. Because you have to be able, you have to think. Three dimensions is easy. Look around us. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's a three-dimensional universe. Four is hard. Four is hard to imagine. Questions on that?
listening to the lecture. Um, all of the audio is available, of course, on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using. Just search for da uh, Dr. Dave Broadbeck's uh, Psychology Lectures at Algoma University, which is the most ungainly title ever. Uh, these are released under a sh uh, uh, Creative Commons copyright share like 3.0 Canada. Uh, you can't use these for commercial purposes. Um, you feel free to share them uh, and feel free to mash them up any way you want. But if you do that, that means I get to do the same thing with your stuff. Sort of like the GAU license. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcast, uh, like Podsafe music. So if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me, and I'll find uh, I'll find out. Um, often I put links uh, actually in the uh, if you want to call them show notes or blog posts. So uh, you know, buy these people's music; they're they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.